Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 150. Uh, uh, Big episode in the history of this podcast. I'm so excited. And I know someone else is excited. Oh, I'm Chad Dotson, by the way. Someone else is excited is my uh, co-host again this week, Bill Lack. Are you excited, Bill? I am so excited. I'm about to pee my pants. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's and, a- and, and, and I have a new nickname, remember. It's it's Reds Fan with an Attitude. Oh, that's right. Our Reds Fan with an Attitude. Uh, Bill Lack. That's right. That was the, uh, that was the name that emerged from... Our big uh, meetup there a, a couple weeks ago uh, yep. at, at uh, Great American Ballpark. So you know, when I when I was accused of uh, trying to sabotage the Q and A, yeah, yeah, by bringing up <laughs> Brandon Phillips at every uh, every possible moment, I did everything I could do to not mention his name. <laughs> it was kind of like Harry Potter, you know, that he, he shall not be named. Oh uh, yeah, that's Brandon Phillips in your world. So, um, well, anyway, we're here. Uh, I, w- I want to talk a little bit about, you know, 150 episodes is a lot, and I want to go a little bit deeper into uh, Red Leg Nation and all that and talk about that with, with Bill, because Bill's been around since before the beginning, uh, before the beginning of time, but also before the beginning of Red Leg Older Nation. Older than dinosaurs, man. That's, Older than dinosaurs. That's right. But some big news out of uh, out of Red's uh, Red Leg Nation, I guess, out of Red's land today, which is that the Reds announced officially that Brian Price is returning for uh, another year and his entire coaching staff, uh, basically a one-year contract with uh, an option for 2018. What do you think about uh, about that decision, Bill? Well, I, I think the coaches have just been offered, con- uh, you know, to come back. I don't know if anybody's agreed yet. I, I can't imagine they won't, but you know, um, at least that's what I read. I, you know, we've talked about this a couple of times, you know, recently when you and I have talked on here and and. I think it's a natural progression, you know. This team is, you know, is fighting to become competitive again, and who's going to want to come in and take over a team? Whoever has this team now is not going to survive to the next time that they're good. And and if Brian Price would not, I mean, if if he would have, if they would have not brought him back, if this would have been the end of his career as a Reds manager, it probably would have been the end of his career as a major league manager, I think. Um, and, and if they come back next year and, they, and they're, you know, decent, I won't say competitive, but let's say 500-ish, you know, he might have a chance at a, a job in the future. But, I mean, if, if he'd have went out on his sword at the end of, of 2016, uh, I think his, his hopes for any future Major League Manager's job would have probably pretty much been over. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I, you know, I don't have any issue with the Reds doing this, uh, with the idea that next year is not going to be the year they're expected to – uh, compete for a playoff spot. I mean, if everything went well, we can always hope, but I'm not going to bet the ranch on the Reds being in the playoffs next year. I, I'm of the opinion that uh, there are plenty of things to criticize Brian Price for, but I'm of the opinion that he is basically an average manager. I, I think people tend to, since we watch Brian Price and watch the Reds every day, I think people tend to uh, – want to highlight some of the deficiencies that we see over and over and over without realizing that a lot of the things he screwy things that price does with terms of his bullpen and uh, you know, just what, whatever uh, getting guys in the lineup. Those are things that 98% of the managers out there do, uh, you know, we, Reds fans end up hating every manager who's not named Sparky Anderson. I mean, that's just, and even at the end of Sparky Anderson's tenure, he was run out of town. Uh, although I don't necessarily uh, 
I don't think the fans had anything to do right, with that. Right, right. That's that's where I was going with that. But um, so with, so with Price, you know, he is what he is. I'm not going to defend him and say that he's uh, the best manager for the for the team over the long haul. I just think uh, his ability as a manager is uh, downgraded in a lot of people's eyes because they're watching him every day and seeing him do crazy things when almost every other ma- manager in baseball would do those same things. Um, now, you know, on the other hand, there are plenty of reasons that they could have gotten rid of him if they wanted to. But I'm with you. What's the uh, what's the harm? What's, what's, what's the point in firing him? You know, right. If you can find somebody to take the job that you are sure is a uh, an upgrade well okay maybe somebody you can commit to get them to sign a three or four year contract to see the end of this what they hope is the end of the rebuild through to a time when they might be competitive and that's uh that's sort of a, looking at it as a rosy picture a little bit uh but but that's just my whole thing is well you know why not at this point what's the point in, in making an investment in somebody else unless you're sure you've got the next uh, sparky anderson yeah, and, and and you're fairly con- con- convinced you're ready to turn the corner, right? And the other thing, and, and, and you you mentioned that uh, you know we we kind of micro pick at, at Brian Price because we see him every day. I think we do that with our players too. And I, and I, and I, my guess is I've never been a fan of another team or been around, you know, lived in an area where like, people were fans of another team. My guess is everybody does that about the people that they see every day. Oh, I'm sure of it. You know, I mean, look at look at Adam Dunn. Let's bring up Adam Dunn. Oh, let's do it, please. Yes, and we and we talk about that all the time. Is that so many you know not only the you know the, the broadcasters, but so many fans and you you, you know people you and I both know uh, dwelled so much on the things that he was not good at, not enough on the things that he was good at. So I mean, it's kind of the same thing. And that's the same thing you do with Brandon Phillips too, right? Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So uh, you know, you can say that Price is not the worst manager in baseball without that being a compliment <laughs> about Brian Price. He's he's certainly not the best either. And if I had my opportunity to get Joe Madden, for example, in here, yeah, I'd dump Price on his can and, and go get Madden. Uh, you know, but who else is out there? I don't know. The Reds, uh, if they've done any due diligence, they may not have at this point. Uh, I hope they have to see who might be available and who they think could be an upgrade. But there's so many factors that go, uh, that go into this. They may believe that Price is doing a great job in the clubhouse too. We don't have any knowledge of that. I, I, you've not heard or seen too much that would lead you to believe that. But he certainly not uh, hadn't pulled a Dave Miley in the clubhouse either. It doesn't seem. So again, I'm just okay. They bring in Price back. That's fine. Whatever. You know, I'm not excited about it. I. I Probably if I'm in charge, that's what I would have done. One-year deal. Uh, if, if he does, you know, hey, what if they win 88 games next year? Well, you know, okay, maybe Price will have shown that when he starts getting players in the in the in on his roster, which he's not really had, that he can be an effective manager. More likely they're going to win, you know, 78, 80 games next year, something like that. And then they'll start a serious search for the guy who can help them take that next step. So. I- I, I couldn't agree more, and and I, you know, and who that is, who knows, you know, I, you know, is it my, you know, is the next guy a Miley or is he a, you know, a Sparky or or, or a, a Lou Pinella or a Dave Bristol? I'll take a Dave Bristol. Oh sure, yeah, uh, yeah, Bristol's yeah. the guy that was sort of uh, pushed out because he wasn't uh, he wasn't the new guy's man, you know, he came in, he was the manager when Bob Housem got to Cincinnati. And I think had a pretty uh, decent reputation, and just he was Housen wanted his guy, I believe, is what happened there. Yeah, he, I mean, he owned, 
He only won 89 games the year he got fired. <laughs> well, ouch. <laughs> uh, yeah, if Price wins 89 games next year, he won't get fired, I bet. No, I bet you he'd be all right. Well, unless, unless like with Dave Bristol, unless they can find Sparky Anderson. You know, that's why Bristol was uh, sent packing, because they found a Hall of Fame manager to replace him. Yeah. So, yeah, Brian Price is back, and what something you said there was interesting to me, and I tried to uh, expand on it, and I didn't really do a very good job, but a lot of it depends on, I think you said, where they feel like they are in this rebuilding process. And, man, that's like the that's like the question to me. Are we close? I can look a certain way and say, yeah, they're, you know, they're a couple players away from being a really pretty good, maybe at least a wild card uh, competitive team. Uh, on the other hand, They've lost 90 games, uh, more than 90 games in back-to-back years for the first time since 1934. So, uh, <laughs> you know. And the other thing that I – and this bothers me maybe more than anything, and, and, and it, it kind of comes out of a Doherty column that was in the Enquirer this week, is did they really answer any questions this year? Uh, well, I think they did. Do you? Do you think they answered any? Do you think they answered any pitching staff questions? I think that we know that Lorenzen and Iglesias are uh, extremely good major league pitchers. Now we don't. There are more questions were created. But you, but about you don't them. know where they're going to where, where they can be used. Right. Th- those questions weren't answered, and, and maybe more questions were uh, created, especially with Iglesias. I think that we learned that Di Sclafani is a probably a number two starter. Going forward. Yeah, we kind of we kind of figured that going into the year. I, I think it was I think that was more reinforced than. I think that uh, we learned, in my opinion, that Brandon Finnegan can be a starter. Um, I'm not sure that the Reds would agree. Uh, he, I think, started more games than anybody this year, and. Uh, well, yeah, that's because he was the only one that stayed healthy all year. Right, but I mean, he he stayed healthy. He was able to pitch a bunch of innings, and he was reasonably effective for a twenty three year old. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, my guess is that the I, and I mean, you know, hell, what the hell do I know? That's a good but, question. You know, but you know, is, is is he is he one of your five next year? Do you think? You know, and, and and maybe they did, but they didn't answer any questions on Stevenson. No, they didn't answer any questions on Cody Reed. Uh no no I would I would agree except that with Cody Reed until he came to the big leagues he was just as dominant I mean he was making all the progressions until the very oh, second absolutely anyway, absolutely but but well what do you want out of him to say he struggled in the big leagues would be, be like saying I need to lose a little weight. <laughs> Yeah, but he was 22. I mean, oh, I, I, I'm not. I'm I know you're not giving up on him. I know you're not giving up on him, but. But what I'm saying is, he had no success. What did he have? One decent start. Yeah, maybe. I, I think you're right when you're looking at it in the context of were, were questions answered about that guy. No, I mean, I think we've still got questions about Cody Reed. We still got, we definitely have questions. I think I have more questions about Robert Stevenson now than I did last year. Yes, I agree. You know, I think because that, he, he does not seem to be progressing. No, he does not. He does not. And uh, whatever the reasons are for that, I mean, you know, you can believe the stuff you read, which makes you sound Homer esque in the minor <laughs> leagues. Yeah, you know, not, I, not listening, blah blah blah. And whether it's true or not, who knows? You know, and, and I hope it's not true because if this kid, you know, is is his own worst enemy, that's that's a that's a shame. Well, there's you know, 
it's it, we're premature in making that call, but that's a very good comparison in the sense that these are two guys that were first rounders, highly, highly sought after uh, prospects, uh, and has been have been on the fast track. Both of them were from day one, and they start to get a little bit of uh, move up in the system a little bit where things aren't as easy anymore, and then run into a brick wall. But my opinion is, you know, Homer Bailey until he got injured for the last two years had finally turned that corner. I, and uh, is Stevenson going to get there? I don't know. But I think there certainly are more questions than yeah. answers with him. And, and I think offensively you've still got, you know, you've still got questions. you got the Devin Maserocco question. You've got, you know, the the, the, uh, the, the Scheibler. You know, you st- I think they still got questions about Scheibler. I think they still got questions about Duvall, even though I think they deny that they have questions about Duvall. Well, yeah, but it's hard to, you know, for a guy that was supposed to be a platoon left fielder, hit 30-plus home runs, 30-plus doubles, 100-plus RBIs. Yeah. You know, uh, I, the, the questions I think that have been answered on the offensive side are, number one, I think it is clear to me that a. Eugenio Suarez is a legit uh, uh, player when it comes to who's going to be in the, in the uh, infield for the next good Reds team. He's, you know, his age 24 season, up and down, certainly. Uh, as you would expect, but uh, he showed me every, the way he improved throughout the year, he showed me, gave me every reason to believe that he is right in the mix with anybody else they have to be in the in, in the infield over the next few years. Do you think they need to find someplace else for him to play? I think it may end up being second base. But no, I think he can play third base. I think he can play third base. But his defensive metrics at this point are that he's an above average third baseman and this is the first year he'd ever played it as a professional i agree i, I agree with the first that's the first year I ever played it and then defensive and you know i have problems with defensive matches sure sure and to the eyeball test he did not look like an above average defensive third baseman i think the last two months i would agree with you up until the last two months when i to my eye uh admittedly that's you know I don't want to judge people based on that because what do I know? But to my eye, he improved immeasurably over the last couple of months. seemed like to me night after night he was getting a little bit better. Um, and maybe that's not the case. That is what the metrics showed, and maybe I'm seeing that because I saw the metrics switch up a li- with him a little bit. Uh, he was just awful early on. But you know, when the only time you've ever played third base is a few games in the Venezuelan Winter League, uh, it's tough to learn that on the major league level. So I've, I'm not – I'm not sold on him as a third baseman. I'm not willing to bet the ranch on him as a third baseman, but I'm also not willing to say that he's going to be a not not going to be able to handle it with the glove. Um, and I still think I, I think I think Tucker Barnhart answered some questions about himself this year. Do you? Yeah, I, I do. I, I think he proved. I, I don't think Tucker's a starter. Yeah. Okay. You're right. But I think he is a quality backup. I think he. What he showed this year is going to permit Tucker Barnhart to play about another 12 years in the big leagues. Yep. Uh, I think he's going to have a long career. He, he can get on base, he's shown. With the glove, he's always been great. Yeah, I, I think he. I think this is the year that uh, – he didn't answer the question, is this guy a starter? Because I'm, I'm with you, I don't think he is a starter long term. But he's a guy that can play 40% of the time. And, uh, and I think – If he can keep his OPS plus somewhere around 90 and play the defense he plays. He'll have a job as long as he wants it. Yep. Somewhere. Yeah. Yep. I, you know, I think I think of David Ross a little bit, except he's a better defensive player, maybe not quite as much power and not as good a hitter as David Ross, but a guy that right. can, that's going to have a job somewhere. Um, 
Yeah, he may move. He may move around a lot, but he'll 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 be collect. He'll be bringing home that paycheck with a lot of zeros in it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that I think that question was answered. I think the question about uh, even though he's not really gotten the um, the opportunities that he should have, but to me, answers. I've got lots of answers about uh, Jose Peraza this year. I think this is a guy that needs to be a starter full time next year. I think he's. I think he's shown that. Uh, where he's going to start, I don't know because they're still going to make those decisions about Cozart and uh, and your buddy Phillips. But to me, Jose Peraza, we learn we know more, way more about him now than we did before. And what we know now is that this is twenty three year old that is ready for the big leagues. Yeah, I, I'm a little concerned on his on his you know his on base percentage because it's so batting average based. Yeah, it is. It concerns me, um, but the the kid looks like he can just flat out hit. He looks like he can square the ball up and uh, a little, little bit of pop, surprisingly. And but if he can if he can handle the glove at shortstop, you know he doesn't have to be an elite. He doesn't have to be Barry Larkin with the bat, right. you know, to be a valuable player. And I've seen some signs that make me believe he can he can handle shortstop as well. So, you know, I I, I think we still got a lot of other questions that need to be answered. But I think you can say some questions were answered and some were. Uh, Things got a lot cloudier, I guess, is the way I would put it. How about Billy Hamilton? Did he answer any questions this year? Let's talk you? about Billy Hamilton. I mean, I know he probably did for you. <laughs> yes, yes, in the sense that I was very concerned because I wasn't seeing a whole lot of progress. And after this season, we still got questions. Is he ever going to be able to stay healthy? And I think that's a huge question when it comes to his future value to this team. But when he's in the lineup – you know his on base percentage ended up being right around 320 somewhere there uh, his defense was gold glove worthy i hope he wins the gold glove um you think he will i worry that he's you know not playing here the last little bit's going to hurt him but yes i i think he will if i had to, if i had to guess um and so you got a gold glove center fielder that with his crazy speed tw- at t- age 25 has now bumped his uh, on base percentage to 320 you know uh, would hopefully improve more I think that I'm much, much less concerned about center field now than I was 365 days ago. I think that's the way I'd put it. Okay. I'll, I'll buy that. I'm not willing to, you know, give him a, hand him a five-year contract yet, but I'm, you know, I'm not as nervous about him as I was. I was extremely nervous before this season. You, know, you have to wonder, too, with the Mezzarocco injury problems, whether the Reds would be gun-shy about trying to buy out people's arbitration years and stuff at this point. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you do have to wonder about that until they're uh, – and, and Mesoraco is an interesting comparison because, you know, catchers are always it's scary. Catchers get hurt. Billy Hamilton's a guy that's not been able to stay healthy, and so much of his value is wrapped up in his legs. Yep. You and, he, I mean, he's just he's just such a small guy. Right. He's slight. What if he, what if he gets hurt? It, he's going to be worth a lot of money maybe at some point, but I'm not sure he's going to be a good enough risk – for a team like the Reds to take, I, I could see that happening. Uh, I mean, and, and and don't don't. This isn't a direct comparison, but it kind of reminds me a little of the, the the quandary with Eric Davis. Well, they're the exact same type of player. You're right, Bill. Well, I mean, they're. You <laughs> no, know what I'm, what I'm saying, though. I mean, did, absolutely. If, if Eric Davis hadn't had injury problems, Eric Davis was on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Eric Davis was an inner circle Hall of Famer if he uh, had the injury problems. I, I believe that 100%. No, you're right. It's sort of similar builds. 
you know, Hamilton's not yeah, I mean, Billy, Billy's a lot smaller than Eric Davis. Right. But, but the, the, you know, it's the same, you know, center fielders having a hard time staying healthy. I mean, their tools are complete. Well, not completely different. Eric had tools that were unbelievably over the top, you know, not, there hasn't been 10 guys playing baseball that, that had the tools Eric Davis does, I don't think. But, well, that's probably exaggerating a little bit. But that's not, not many. That's not, no, it's not no. far off. Yeah. And, and, and both banging into walls and diving all over the place. I mean, you know, we forget sometimes, but Eric Davis was just a crazy defensive player, just all out and, and, and got hurt a number of times. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think on the injury front, that is a comparison. And that's the one thing I'm concerned about. I think Billy Hamilton – if you could tell me Billy Hamilton's going to play 160 games each of the next five years, yeah, I'd sign him. I think he's a very good bet to continue improving, and even if he doesn't get much better than what he is now, he's a player that can create value for your team. Uh, but I'm not. Going and I do. To- I do want to give a shout out to one of our September call-ups that I, that I've said for years should have been should have been given an opportunity is Steve Selsky. Yeah, yeah. He's done a nice job since they brought him up. Five for five the other night. That was fantastic. You know. You know. He's he's. You know, he's getting on base, you know, again, tied almost completely to his batting average. But, you know, he's, he's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting the ball all over the place. He's, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for the kid. You know, yeah. he's one of my, he's one of the kids I saw playing Dayton. So, I, and I have a, you know, I have a soft spot in my heart for those guys that I, that I knew there. You know, I didn't, I didn't know them, but you know what I mean? The kids that sure, I saw yeah. at that age. And, and I've always felt like, you know, he was a, he was a victim of his draft position. No matter what he did, he had a trouble overcoming his draft position because he was like a thirty-three round draft pick or something yeah. like that. I saw an interview with him the other night after he had that five for five game, and, and and they asked him about that, and he said, "Well, you know, I, I wish I would have drafted in the first round, but in some ways, it might have been one of the best things for me in that I knew I had to work and earn everything I ever got because nobody was going to hand anything to me." And and that's the way it's been. He 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 probably has been put behind the eight ball a little bit because of that. Um, but yeah, he's a guy I'd love to see. You know, I have any problem with him sticking around and getting some some time on the bench for the Reds, and you can put him in, and he can put the bat on the ball and can play a little bit yeah. of defense. And yeah, well, it reminds me of, of and, and the catcher's name ran out of my head. The the the, the guy that we both really liked that they traded to Tampa a Ryan, couple of years ago, Ryan Hannigan. Ryan Hannigan reminds me of Hannigan. They fought their way up through the system, and nobody was invested in them. So they, so, you know, so they had to do it all on their own, and they didn't get second chances. Right, Hannigan was undrafted, an undrafted right. free agent. Yeah, right. Um, actually, I started to mention Hannigan a moment ago when we were talking about Barnhart because I could see Barnhart having a similar type career arc because I think Hannigan's going to end up playing. Uh, he's still with Boston, I, I believe. Um, I can see Hannigan sticking around for a while, but yeah. Uh, so there we go. The Steve Selsky question was answered this year, Bill. <laughs> And yes, he is with Boston. <laughs> yeah, so um, there are a lot of questions still remaining. But if there weren't, you know, we'd be ready for for a contending team. I I do think the Reds will be significantly improved next year, uh, unless there's injuries. That's always the if they hadn't had injuries this year, I think they would have lost. You know, only eighty five games or something. Well, I mean, they played much better once they got. They got high, you know. They they got healthy on the pitching staff, but you know, and 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 this wasn't a question going into the year. But let's also give a shout out to Straley. Oh, good. I mean, I mean, what a what a phenomenal year for a guy that was on the scrap heap. Yeah, I said it on Twitter last night. It's my favorite story of the year. This guy was 
They got him for free the day before spring training ended, basically, or the day he, after. He, he was this year's Alfredo Simon. Oh, oh well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Without the uh, character issues. Um, well, they, he didn't have those, you know, <laughs> when they got him from, you know. Anyway, you're right, but you're right though. They, uh, he comes out of nowhere, and he's not been uh, an ace, you know. His some of his peripheral numbers aren't perfect but man this guy has pitched all year long he's pitched well all year long he leads the team in quality starts and they got him for free you know we we, i mean pretty much despite the fact that he gives up a gazillion home runs right he kept him he kept him in the ball game all the time yeah and he's just uh he's a good interview because he's so thankful just to be here and be getting this opportunity finally and uh, I, I just I'm a I'm a huge fan of Dan Straley. I, I'm not here to tell you that he's uh, the next co- second coming of of Johnny Cueto, but uh, I, I just I think it's, I think it's my favorite story of the year, uh, even over the Duval, who's you know had this big breakout, uh, which is fun. Uh, Straley's just yeah, 20 quality starts I think. They pick that guy up off waivers basically, right after spring training ends. And if somebody had told me he was going to get 20 quality starts, I said you're out of your mind. So that's that's great. Uh, great story. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Straley. I'm always w- willing to talk about uh, Dan Straley. Yeah. So, uh, quick, quickly, quickly, what do you see out of the Reds next year? Just uh, a couple sentences. I, if they can improve by five to ten games, that that would be super. Yeah, I think I think they can. I think they can. I think that they are still on a pace to be competitive. However, you want to define the word competitive in 2018, at least not. Uh, at least I think they'll be competitive for a wild card spot. I think it's going to be right. a lot of years before anybody's competitive with the Cubs. Yeah, I know. We've got to get out of this division. <laughs> Can we apply for a transfer? <laughs> yes, please. Yes, uh, need to scout out which division we want to go to. All right. Well, that is the Reds, and you know we've sort of tried to put them to bed a little bit this year. It's been a rough season, but there's been some th- uh, interesting things as well. But I-, I did want to talk before we uh, put this podcast to bed here. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the podcast and about the website and some, uh, some of the history behind it. Cause this is episode number 150. Uh, and, uh, until, and we've had some t- a hiatus here and there where we weren't recording or whatever. We've been uh, week to week here for a while now. And, uh, but 150 episodes, that seems like a lot. And, and you and I've been here. I'd like to know the number. I don't know what the number is, but, uh, but most of them. And, uh, it's been fun, hasn't it? Oh yeah, it really is. And you would, you know, would think we'd find something better to do with our time, but, <laughs> the amazing thing to me is that some people are actually listening to these things. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, a big big part of the reason why people started listening, I think, was you you have uh, grabbed some interviews with uh, and some really in depth discussions with some really fun names over the well, years. People have been very kind to us. They have, haven't they? they? They've been extremely kind to us. I, I was just looking at the list, and and um, one of the fun the fun ones was the. Uh, and this was just, this is the, the second one when we did with Greg Rhodes that you and I did with Greg Rhodes down at the Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a great time. Uh, I, I don't know how many times Matt Clinker came on. Uh, and remind everybody, Matt Clinker was uh, what we called our spot, one of our spotlight players back in the day. He was a, he was our longest spotlight player. Yeah, and uh, we, we thought we were going to get a guy to the big leagues. We we were. <laughs> hanging in there with Matt. Yeah, he came. Uh, he made it to Triple A. We thought we had a chance there. Yeah, um, but uh, we've had you know, but I mean, everybody. Chris Welsh has been on multiple times. Devin Mezzarocco has been on multiple times. Tucker Barnhart has been. Tucker on. Barnhart's been on multiple times. Um, 
I, I, Chris has probably been on next to Matt. Chris has probably been on more than anybody. I would think <laughs> that, that's what I was going to say. I did want to uh, sort of and, a special and, thanks to Chris Welch, who's always been so generous with his time. Yeah, Chris is such a big supporter of Red Leg Nation. He's just such a great guy. Um, some of my favorites was the one I did with Tom Browning was a lot of fun. Uh, talking to Jim Maloney was uh, awe inspiring to I me. Bet. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the two parter we did with Freddie Norman was pretty great too. Love that. Uh, and all of these are available, by the way. They're all still out there. If you go to redlegnation.com and click on RN Radio up the top, every one of these episodes is still available. These interviews are not uh, really uh, dated, not time-sensitive. They're evergreen. Some of these are great. You need to go back and listen to that Maloney one. The Fred Norman one was fantastic. I learned things about him that I, I just didn't know. Yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time looking through his records and doing some research on him before we, before I, you know, we sat down and talked on the phone that day. And, oh, the other guy that's been on multiple times was John Fay. I want to thank John. Absolutely. Faye has been on. Uh, sounds uh, like Mark, Mark Sheldon's been on a number of times. Yes. Uh, but anyway, the Fred Norman thing, I had forgotten how good he was when he came over to the Reds. I mean, how good he was, you know, with the Reds. He, he had been struggling in San Diego. And, and I said this for years when I, I mean, you have to be an old guy like me to remember when Freddie came over. But I think the Reds traded for him because they couldn't beat him. <laughs> Probably. And, yep. and and he came over and and, and it somebody, somebody he was mentioned the other day in one of the posts on on Red Leg Nation and somebody t- and, and whoever wrote it said that you know that Freddie threw a shutout in his first game with the Reds and I I went back and corrected him and said Freddie threw a shutout in his first two games with the Reds and and, came, and went into the ninth inning of the third game and gave up a home run to Ron Say to break a shutout in his third game so he almost threw three consecutive shutouts. For the Reds, and that was while pitching for Sparky Anderson. Yeah, uh, right, Captain Hook. And <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't realize. Go back; they need to go back. Y'all need to go back and look at his numbers. He he really was. People don't remember how effective he was there for a time. He should be in the Reds Hall of Fame. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna work on. Uh, he's one of our a couple of guys that we need to start. Uh, yeah, we've we've, thought, you know, we've talked about that on here. There's there's a number of guys that have been shortchanged when it came to their Reds careers. Yeah, my guy's Reggie Sanders, the guy I want to. Uh, yeah, that's the other one, and I think he's an obvious guy too. And I think he's a, a very obvious inductee. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it sounds like we're sort of wrapping up the podcast. This is our last episode, uh, but it's it's not. It's not. Uh, can't get rid of us that easily. That's right. But yeah, uh, you mentioned Faye and Sheldon, both very generous with their time. Uh, I remember I got to speak with uh, Joe Posnanski, probably my favorite sports writer, uh, right at when he was uh, after he'd written the book about the big red machine that was fun and and i don't know some of the fun i've had has been just you and i talking about whatever nonsense comes into our into our heads and also all the <laughs> all the other guys that have been on with us you know i mean you know jason linden's been on me a lot lately and joel luckup's been on a bunch of episodes uh doug, doug, gray. doug gray and i've done a bunch of episodes uh, um uh chris garber uh, my yep. co-author's been on a bunch. Hey, I'm, I'm, have, you, have you talked about the book on here? We, oh, I see. I can see that you didn't listen to the last episode. No, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm a little <laughs> a little tardy. Yeah, we did. We we talked about it. Very excited about the the, the book that's coming out uh, in the spring that uh, Chris and I wrote. And, have, you, have you have you wrapped up the everything? Well, yeah, we we submitted our manuscript. Yeah, they're going to come back to us. I imagine with some suggestions and maybe editorial 
comments, things like that. But yeah, we've we have submitted the actual manuscript. So, and, so you'll be like by 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 summer next year, you and you and Chris will be like having be rolling in like John Grisham money. Oh, listen, we're gonna be big time. We're gonna be big time. <laughs> You probably won't even talk to us anymore. <laughs> well, not you anyway. I've been, well, there is that. <laughs> I've been trying to keep from talking to you for years. Uh, I, you know, something else I remember just before I let it escapes my mind uh, about the podcast, and I do want to move on past and talk about a, a couple of other things in terms of the history of this whole project. But I remember early on we got the audio from uh, when Adam Dunn called into Marty Brenneman's, uh, I guess called oh, into the banana, banana phone. phone yeah, yeah, called into the banana phone and. Said he was uh, awesome. some Adam from Milwaukee. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's one of the funniest things. I may have to put that back up into the podcast feed again, and uh, for everybody, uh, that was that was fantastic. Adam from Milwaukee. We played that, uh, and a couple of big sites uh, linked to us when we did that because uh, we. I don't know. I don't even remember how we got the audio to that. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. But I remember it was a. If there's been a Reds player with a better sense of humor than Adam Dunn, you you'll have to prove it by me. And uh, you know, I agree. Yeah, he's been he's been. And we got we got a really funny uh, quote of his in the book actually that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna let out. And make you go buy the book. Uh, there you go. But we had a really really funny quote from him that I didn't remember. Um, a couple of funny quotes actually. I'll think about it. Yeah, one one uh, one chapter of the book is devoted to Adam Dunn. <laughs> only, only one chapter? Just just one. Yes. But uh, over the years, we've had sort of our, some of our favorites that we love talking about. Dunn was one of them. Um, so you got a chapter on Adam Dunn. You got a you got a half the book on Billy Hamilton. <laughs> no, Billy Hamilton only gets six chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Krenchicki gets a chapter. No, no. Um, <laughs> so anyway, it's been fun, Bill. I look forward to keep keeping on with the uh, with these podcasts, uh, and I appreciate you taking time for us because you you used to be the voice of reason, uh, but now you are what, what was it again? Red fan with an attitude. Red fan with an attitude, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, I also wanted to talk, if we could, about redlegnation.com, the site. And uh, I thought this our 150th episode would be a good spot for us to kind of talk about where it, where it came from. And most people these days may not know that sort of the genesis of what in, it they were unrelated, I guess. But the guys that all of us sort of were around at the beginning of Red Leg Nation – we all met up on on uh, the Reds listserv list, the email listserv that you started when? 1994. Tell, tell us about that, if you will, a little bit. Cause people may not really understand these days. Some people may not understand what a listserv is. Right, yeah. Back it, then, it, it was so great. It's still out there. I mean, they, in fact, the Reds list is still out. It's still floating around out there, even though I, can't, I couldn't tell you the last time anything was posted to it. Still active. It, in, in the mid-'90s, I was running the. I ran the first Jimmy Buffett listserv list, and it was a huge thing. And 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 I started this Reds and Bengals list. I think it was after I started the Buffett list. I can't remember which one was first. Yeah. But I, I started a Reds and a Bengals list in 1994. And what these listserv lists are for the those that are that aren't familiar with them is you you sign up to these things. And then if you post something to it, it goes out to everybody else on this list. On email, right, over email. Yeah, via email. And, and you know, this one, and, and we had, I don't know, 150 people on the list or something, I think, probably at the high water mark. Um, and we were, I don't know, we had, it, 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 during the baseball season, you know, on a good day, we'd have 40 or 50 posts, I would think. 
Um, oh, it was yeah. I mean, it was it was a really active discussion, and it was I yeah. mean, it was uh, in depth. I mean, it was yeah. And 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 then as the internet evolved, you know, it, it became kind of yesterday's technology. Yeah, as as blogs and and these kinds of things became more and more prevalent, and then you started Red Leg Nation and asked me to come on board, and it kind of usurped the the listserv is is you know is is you know kind of like telegraphs and telephones, you know. Uh. Well, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like uh, the website's becoming a, a t- the telegraphic because who knows what the next thing? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You never know Twitter what and everything. So, but you know, I remember the listserv, and I, I don't remember how I. I mean, I wasn't there at the beginning of the listserv, and I don't remember how I came upon it. But I remember being at college, and my uh, one year at college, my dad basically forced me to get an email address. I didn't. I didn't know what an email address was, didn't care. This was, you know, mid-90s. Um, and so I went and signed up for one, and at some point I figured out, hey, you know, there's this listserv list out there. What's this deal? And so I signed up for it. And you talk about an education into just baseball and baseball strategy and baseball statistics. And a lot of, th- you know, a lot of people talk about how Bill James is abstract, people that grew up in the 80s maybe. Bill James's abstracts yeah. were... Uh, instrumental in uh, them learning about statistics and just about baseball. Uh, to me, that was the listserv because I remember spending two weeks early on. I, I mean, I can still remember sitting in my dorm room at the University of Virginia talking to a bunch of these guys about baseball and spending two weeks arguing that obviously there's no better statistic to judge a pitcher, no better st- statistic than wins. Wins and losses. Clearly, that's the most important thing. That's what you're out there to do: win and lose. And uh, but eventually, I was shown the error of my ways gently. Although there were some passionate arguments, and sometimes more gen- sometimes less gently than yes, others. Yes, but it was a it was a it was an eye opener to me. I can talk to all these guys who kind of like me are just obsessed with this baseball team, and uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of friends that I could talk baseball with. In, in that sort of obsessive way, too obsessive, probably. Um, and so it was just, like I say, it was a revelation for me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, it was my first ex- um, exposure to anything analytics or, or sabermetric. Yeah. Oh, me too, absolutely. And and, and it, it was definitely a huge eye opener. And, and I think you know, and I you know the people that educated me at the time, and and I'm still learning, you know, every day what some of these numbers mean and how they're you know where their value is but uh other than defensive metrics but <laughs> <laughs> right which you'll um but you know it, it was a it was a, a you know a, a small and became a very friendly group you know we used to do we used to do reds games mm, yeah every year you know we get together and you know kind of like what we just did and, and you know and, and get a bunch of guys together and guys and girls because mm-hmm. uh, there there were women on the list, there yeah. weren't a whole lot, but there were some. Some that were very active, uh, yeah. And it was a good time, and and, and you know, and it, and I think it, it it created some of these others. You know, I don't know if any of these other Reds blogs, you know, were were people that were on the list. I I honestly don't know. Um, my guess would be the Reds reporter guys were all too young. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those guys are too young. That's a yeah, they're young. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're the old guys. Uh, I'm the old guy. Well, I wasn't going to say that. I was trying to trying to soften the blow there, Bill. That's all right. I can handle. <laughs> yeah, you know Chris Garber, like we said, he was uh, he was on the on the listserv back in the day. Um, yep. 
I'm trying to think of some of the names that Dave Lowenthal. Dave Lowenthal was a guy who professor and uh, yep. you know Dave emailed me about something about the Reds not too long ago. I thought, oh man, this is a blast from the past because I hadn't talked to Dave in a long. There was time. a guy out of Louisville, Steve. Steve Price. Yep, Steve Price. Yeah, and Steve wrote for us for a while. And Steve wrote for us for a while. Yeah, with with, with the Red Leg Nation. Mm-hmm. Um, Miles Sussman. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Gosh, there's some names, and you'd see them in your email. Actually, I couldn't wait. It's the craziest thing. I couldn't wait to go check my email. What was everybody talking about today? Or, yeah. if, you're, or if you're in the middle of some particular conversation, you know, you couldn't wait for everybody to uh, respond to it. And, uh, it, and it was, it was, it was the best. And 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 yeah, around 2005. So you know, probably I was on the list probably about a decade before Red Leg Nation started. Um, and so you'd be, you know, you started at '94, I guess you said. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's a long time, and it was, it well, was. Well, you know, and you came to me with this idea of that you were gonna, you were considering. I don't even think you'd said you were going to start, and you and you were concerned that I would be offended or think think you were stealing the thunder of the list or anything like that. And and I appreciate the the consideration that you gave. You know what I had done and 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 what we had all you know kind of brought along, and and it was just the next evolution in the in the in the red leg fan base in my opinion yeah and i've been concerned the whole time that i i, I helped bring about the demise of uh, the listserv because obviously like you said that was our first conversation about it i just i was at a point where i was looking to do expand my writing a little bit and uh thought i might like to try to write for uh you know about the reds sort of a more public fashion and i thought well you know blogs are becoming a thing uh, mm-hmm. you know uh i can start one of those and um and so I did. I talked to you, and I think I talked to Chris uh, early on, just gauging what you thought, and actually your advice. And uh, and I appreciate the fact that you uh, gave me permission to go ahead and do it. And, uh, you know, I guess probably the listserv was going to die out at some point anyway. Uh, what happened? Yeah, to- I mean, you know, like I said, it's, it's you know, it's, you know the, the, the train and the airplane, you know. All right. You know, like, you know, it's the next evolution of, of, of what you need. And, and, I was, and I appreciated you bringing me on board. You know, with with Red Leg Nation, I don't write like I used to. You know, and, and I, God knows I couldn't write as well as the guys we got right now. I mean, they're just well, me either. But um, no, but yeah, I mean, you know, we talk, talk these the the original gang at Red Leg Nation. You know, you're one of the original gang. Uh, Chris was there at the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, Steve Price might have been at the, uh, at the. I'm not sure he's at the very beginning, but shortly thereafter. Uh, so there, you know, there's some guys that, uh, and that that was the listener list was. That's we just we got together and. Yeah, a lot. A lot of the guys that, that that started with Red Leg Nation were were carryovers from the Reds list or list. I think all of them were. Uh, were they at, at the very beginning? Yeah. Um, and and eventually brought on more people, and uh, as we gained a little bit more of an audience, and and we got a great group uh, now. But yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I never would have guessed back then that we'd be sitting here, you know, eleven years later, eleven and a half years later. 150 episodes later <laughs> and 150 episodes of the podcast later but you know I, I couldn't have i could not have even wrapped my feeble mind around the idea that uh, you know here i am in the mid 90s uh going away to college and i meet this bunch of guys on the uh, on an email list and uh, you know uh, here we are two decades later and you know we're still friends still get to talk to you uh, not as often as I'd like, but uh, fairly often. And, you know, uh, they did this project with Chris. And it's really strange 
Well, I mean, and think about it. You know, from there, you, you write for Cincinnati Magazine now. You got this book coming out. You still got Red Leg Nation, you know, and, and, and that you're a part of. And you never know what, and, and this is, you know, what I'm trying to teach my son who's is starting, you know, his life and, and, and getting out of grad school. And you don't know what direction your, your life is going to take you. No, it's true. I never would have guessed that uh, we'd still be talking about the Reds in a different form than we than we did back over email all those years ago when I first met you. But uh, yeah, uh, it's 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 kind of fun uh, to look at it that way. And you're right. I kn- who 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 could have known where we'd be? And you know, I hope hope Red Leg Nation's around for the foreseeable future. I'm still having fun with it um, now that I've sort of dipped my toes back in and gotten more involved. I took a little bit of a break myself. It's uh, it wears me out. But uh, this team wears me out. But anyway, you know, I, I think really you're the godfather of Red Leg Nation. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this was it's okay. all this all came from your creation of that listserv list. And Chris Welsh was on that list for a while, wasn't he? Wasn't Chris on the on the? Oh yeah, Chris was on the list. Yeah, he, I mean, I think he did more reading. I don't remember him posting very often, if ever. But he, he read what was what was said and what was out there. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. Uh, I, I remember you telling me at one point because uh, he. I don't know that he ever posted, but uh, yeah, he, he would. Yeah, you know, he would contact me back channel or, or something like that. Yeah. And... So that was that was a fun time. I'll I'll never forget sitting there. I remember. I'm in my dorm room listening to uh, Tom Browning when he broke his arm. Remember, he pit through that pitch and broke mm-hmm. his arm there at the end. And I loved Browning at that time, one of my favorite players. And my first thought was, I got to jump on the email to you know talk about this. You know, I got to yep. I got to get on the list. What are people saying about this? You know, uh, whereas now you'd go to Twitter or whatever. You know, right? The more the instantaneous, <laughs> right? But but that was the first time that the technology sort of interacted with my enjoyment of baseball. You know, I thought, oh, I, 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 I there are people all over the country that I can talk to now about the Reds. So let's talk about it. So yeah, that's a pretty good memory, and we're doing things a little differently now, but still having fun with it, I guess. So absolutely. Um, well, I think we've kind of kind of hit all the high points there. Unless there's anything else you want to say about the. About the listserv there, Mr. No, Godfather. No, nothing else to say. It's, uh, I got one question for you before we sign off. Yes, Don Corleone. <laughs> um, where does Joey Votto finish in the MVP ballot? I think he finishes, I want to say top three. Um, I would say top five. but I, I think definitely top five, and I think top three might be pushing it a little bit. But uh, what he finished second last year. They lost ninety eight games, second or third. Uh, he's he's definitely top five. But came in third last year. Yeah, T- to me he's number one, Bill. I know. No, Billy Hamilton's number. One. Okay, all right. Well, one and one a. Let's say that. Who who wins the American League MVP? If it's not Mike Trout, I I'm I give up. Uh, I no, bet he doesn't. I bet you're right too, but. <laughs> There's, I'm not willing to say any other names because there are no other names that ha- have any kind of a claim on that. I, I was, I don't know what I was watching the other day. It was probably something on Major League, and they said you can't play for a lace pace team, and be the MVP. <laughs> yeah, somebody tell Andre Dawson that. <laughs> it's it's ludicrous to me, you know. I, I I'm not disagreeing with you. You're and, going- and Mike Trout is just, oh my god. Oh, he's. I mean, this is a guy. <laughs> We talk about watch every one of Joey Votto's at bats because you know Reds fans don't get to see this very often. Uh, Trout's a once in a generation talent, or maybe even more. 
I mean, I mean, he's in his what one, two, three, four, his fifth full year in base in the major leagues. Yes, and he's never finished lower than second in the MVP ballot. Yeah, right. and he should have three, <laughs> three or four MVPs already at age what twenty five. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, uh, it's kind of the way I feel. We're gonna uh, uh, shift gears over into basketball. But it's kind of the way I feel. I'm worried here about the way I feel about LeBron James in that. You know, LeBron James really ought to go to uh, Derrick Rose's house and Kevin Durant's house and uh, Stephen Curry's house and take his MVP trophies back that he earned in three of those years. Um, I'm afraid that's what's happening. What's going to happen to Trout is, yeah, he's the best, but you know, oh, this other guy's the flavor of the month. Let's give it to him. Well, kind of like what, I, and I'm and kind of the same thing. They're talking about Julie Louis Dreyfus should not be in the Emmy category anymore because she wins every year. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there. You heard if you it. Want to take it if you want to take it from me. Beat me. You know <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. They need to give it to Mike Trout. Mike Trout, also known as the Julia Louis Dreyfus of the American League. There you go. All right, Bill. Uh, that was That's fun. And we'll wrap it up on that. <laughs> yeah, let's end it there. Uh, as always, uh, go to redlegnation.com every day for coverage of the uh, this this our beloved Cincinnati Reds that we've been talking about for far too long. And we'll continue. You can check out at Red Leg Nation on Twitter. In terms of the podcast, go to iTunes and subscribe. Uh, leave us a rating. Leave us a review and tell your friends if you can. That helps us. Uh, it's funny. We uh, The number of subscribers are going up every week, and I really do appreciate that uh, because we, we love talking about talking about the Reds for you guys. Again, as, we, as Bill and I have com- commonly said, there are a lot of things you can do with your time. We have no idea why you would download listen to us, but we <laughs> very much appreciate it. Am I right? Absolutely. All right. Well, for Bill Lack, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.